Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your great auntie, kid sister, or the raccoon in your trash can. I'm Jill, and I'm joined by super librarian Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. So I have a question for you today. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite winter activity? That's a toughie because I think, what do I like to do outside in the winter or what do I do inside in the winter? Tell us both. Um, Inside, definitely sitting in front of the fireplace and reading a book if it's super snowy outside. But once the snow stops, I like to go outside and go sledding. That's probably my favorite winter activity. Okay. What about yours, Jill? Um, inside, I would say I also like reading, but I really like puzzles in the oh, winter, yeah. all winter long. Yep. So, so uh, puzzles are my favorite inside. And outside, I think cross-country skiing is my favorite. Okay. I like it a lot. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you, though. What's yeah. the biggest puzzle you've ever put together? Um, probably a thousand piece. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, dude, have you done a really big one? No, no. I, oh. d- I do enjoy puzzles as well, but I, yeah, that's about my limit, a thousand yeah. pieces. Any more than that, I'm like, uh, I can't even start. No. Have you seen <laughs> that one that's like a full size of a room? No. It's enormous. That I, would give me a lot of anxiety. I don't even know what the purpose of that is. <laughs> I like a regular size puzzle. That's fair. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay, but do you have a question for us today? I, I do have a question. Uh, I My first question comes from... Kevin, age eight, from Wyoming, and Kevin asks, how do credit cards work? Interesting question. So actually, I think it's a two-part question. I'm always, first of all, I'm always surprised when people come up to the desk when I'm working at the library and bring me cash to pay for a book sale item because who has cash? Not me. (laughs) Credit cards are more common than cash for sure. So we can look at exactly how businesses know that we've paid for something and how that little piece of plastic works. So first of all, credit cards allow you to make purchases with the agreement that you will pay back the credit card company. It's kind of like loaning you money. Companies will charge you interest on the loan if it isn't paid off each month. So the interest rate is a percentage of what you owe added to your total debt. For example, if you charge $150 for a huge Lego set on your credit card and you get your bill and you're like, oh, I can't pay this and you pay $50, you will be charged interest on the remaining balance. So maybe $10. So overall, instead of having to pay back $100, you now have to pay back $110. I know. You can see how easily someone might be in debt or owing money to a credit card company because they're kind of like loaning you that money, but you do have to pay it back. However, if you use a debit card instead of a credit card, that money you used to pay for your Lego set comes right out of your bank account. There's no loan involved. It's just money coming out, so no interest or anything. But you do have to watch that your account doesn't become overdrawn or that you've spent more than what is in your account. So you really need that $150 for the Lego set Correct. in so your bank account. You wouldn't want to use your debit card if you don't have the money in there. Right. So credit cards and debit cards are really useful But you do have to be money-wise and know your spending limits. 
Mm-hmm. So, how do the magnets and the chips and the tap cards work exactly? Um, I looked up a website called HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> have you? Yeah. <laughs> it was very handy. Um, some credit cards have a strip, a magnetic strip that you swipe to make purchases. You've probably seen that before. Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever stayed at a hotel, usually your room card is a little swipe too. Oh, mm-hmm. So there's a magnet in that card um, that is programmed with certain information. And the little iron-based components that make a magnet can be arranged or rearranged to store information. So they'll have a machine, especially at a hotel, that will program your card and then can reprogram it for the next person. That is so interesting. It is. If your credit card has a chip that you're going to put into the card reader, the little chip stores all of your information that you may, but you may need to enter a PIN or a little personal identification number. The chip is also a data processor that is activated by putting it in the PIN pad. It's kind of like a little tiny computer right in your card. That's interesting. Crazy. Computers are so little. I know. But this was what I found most interesting. If your credit cards have a tap to pay, you just have to be in close proximity to the pin pad to complete your purchase. It's like magic. Yeah, it is. The tap is <laughs> but not <definitely> really. <laughs> magic. A code is shared between your card and your bank, and they kind of shake hands when they recognize each other. So there's a radio signal that transfers your info from the bank to the seller, like the Lego store. Right. And these cards also have a chip. So you can use it either way if the if the store doesn't have a little tap to pay. But I feel like that's pretty common now, the it little is, tap to yeah. pay. Yeah. It's so easy to it sometimes it, maybe um, a little I'm, too easy. I know when I'm holding my, my watch out, it will I'm like, Well stop oh, other hand. Yeah. You know. Because some people can even pay with their watches yeah. too. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. I know. It's amazing. But I that's know. linked to your credit card. So it works right. the same way as they right talked about with a credit card right there's a lot of things to think about when you're paying but it it is certainly easy and it's always a surprise when we see cash now i know but the the easy part is dangerous right that's where you have to pay attention where we're talking about charging interest and all of that yeah very interesting i learned a lot about credit cards answering this question oh that's good um jill yeah. Do you have a fact of the day you'd like to share with us today? I do. This is from a brand new book. I pulled it right off the brand new shelf at Wyoming. And it is Weird But True World 2023. I love those nat- National Geographic kids books. Me too. They're so, They're so good. beautiful. They have great <laughs> pictures and there's so much information here. But this, So this one is um, the world. So it's just mostly like interesting places to go and visit. And I picked a fact about a place that... I went, uh, um, I think it was two summers ago, and it is Ben and Jerry's Flavor Graveyard. Oh my gosh. And here's what the fact says. Do you want to know what happens to Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavors that go extinct? I do. If they're lucky, they wind up buried in the Ben and Jerry's Flavor Graveyard where fans can pay their respects in person. Wow. Yeah. This was actually one of our favorite parts of our Vermont trip, which we went to Vermont to do a lot of hiking, which we did, but we also 
went to the Ben and Jerry's flavor graveyard and we had a tour and paid our respects. Did you get lots of samples? We ate so (laughs) much Ben and Jerry's ice cream. None of the dead flavors. Mm -hmm. Most of those actually sounded not good to me. Really? Yeah. I I mean, they're dead for a reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that make it in the graveyard, all of them don't make it in there. The ones that make it in there are like the really weird ones or there was like a plum one that sold like three pints. What? <laughs> yeah, that did not do well. I think that sounds kind of tasty. I like plums. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like plum ice cream. No, but... <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, did not do well. Oh my god! And then some of them, it was really interesting because they kind of, we took a tour and they highlighted a few of the flavors and why they made it in there. And one of them was, um, uh, flavored with something that just became too expensive. Oh, yeah, so oh, made yeah. it to the flavor graveyard. Huh. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's amazing, and this book is full of places that look really exciting. Mm-hmm. So if you get this book, you're going to be like, "Can we plan a trip?" Yeah, I love to plan a trip. <laughs> Me too. And it's not just in the United States. There are places all over the world. So check this book out. What a cool book. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question here. It's from Stevie. Age seven, mm-hmm. Wyoming. I have to tell you something that's true about this question. Yeah. Um, it's not from Stevie. It's from my daughter, <laughs> Annalise, <laughs> who loves the idea of controlling your dreams. And apparently she named this one after her grandfather, oh. whose name is Steve, but he does not go by Stevie. <laughs> so <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. That just kind of cracked me up, but she is really into controlling dreams, um, but she also helped us out with some questions. Speaking of helping us out with questions, we need questions. So write into us, kdl.org forward slash stump, and then you can submit your own question. We would love to answer questions from you and not just from my daughter, Annalise, although she has really good questions. So we'll keep answering her questions with her made up weird names, Stevie. (laughs) Stevie. Yeah. They wanted to name our dog Steve. And I was like, guys, no, we're not naming the dog after grandpa. That's weird. Yeah. So how can you can control dreams? So I have to tell you, I was a little concerned about this question because <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of information out there on the internet um, about dreams that have nothing to do with science. Mm-hmm. And that's why libraries are so important. We don't just have awesome books like this fact book we do, but we also can teach you how to find the best and most accurate information. So when I started researching this question, I started at a database on our website mm-hmm. It was called Academic Complete, and we have a surprising number of databases on our website about all kinds of things. So if you are interested in something, we probably have really good information on our database. Come in and learn how to use those from us. So I wanted to make sure it was finding information about dreams from scientific journals and accurate resources, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about dreams, and I can't wait to tell you about it. The first thing that I learned that I thought was so interesting is that there's actually a field of study of dreams, and it's called on. I've been practicing how to say it, and now it's not coming. To, I wrote out how to say it. Okay, we're gonna try it. it it's spelled like one irology, but that's not how you pronounce it. It's onurology, onurology, okay. the study of dreams. So by studying brain scans, scientists have a better understanding of how dreams work. Like it's, it's, uh, I didn't actually go into that in my explanation, but it's uh, the way our neurons are firing. It explains how they are actually working in our body, but 
they don't really know why we dream. Um, like what is what is the reason for dreams? And there's various theories, and probably the leading hypothesis is that dreams are somehow involved in the process of memory storage. Mm-hmm. While we sleep, we store memories of things that that happened, and that creates like long term memories. Mm-hmm. So you can think back to, uh, you know, several years ago for for us. Maybe we could think back to our childhood, but to you who are listening, maybe you can think back. Maybe your your childhood, which was only a few years ago, um, those are those are memories that are stored. That happens when you sleep, and maybe that's happening because of dreams. Scientists aren't exactly sure about that. There isn't a lot of scientific study on how to control dreams. Um, most of the research around dream control is focused on getting rid of bad dreams, which makes sense. Um, but I did find a few articles that kind of give you an idea of how to control your dreams. The first step that researchers take to control their dreams is to start recognizing dreams as dreams. So here's one way you could try that. To uh, have more control over your dreams, keep a dream diary. So first thing when you wake up, think about the dreams that you had and then write them down in a diary right by your bed while the dream is still fresh. You can jot a few notes or you can write it all out. That way you remember it. So basically, you're using this method to help your brain recognize when it's in a dream. Hmm. Have you ever had that? Have you ever been in a dream and recognized it was a dream? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No? It is kind of a weird phenomenon, and some people have it a lot, Mm -hmm. and other people don't. But I can can think of one dream, really specifically, that I had. I, I mean, it was a long time ago when I was a kid, where I said to myself in the dream... You, this is a dream. You're having a dream. It was a really weird dream, and I remember it because of how weird that was. Right. I've had dreams that I'm I'm glad were dreams. You know, oh, when yeah. you're in the middle of it, and you're like kind of relieved when you wake up. Right, that it was just a dream. Right, like something yeah. scary, like falling. Yeah. That's a common one. Yeah. yeah, it's usually when I'm kind of angry at someone. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know that is one thing that um, the evidence shows is that really our emotions. Um, and what's going on in our lives really tie into our dreams. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it can tell you something about what's going on in your life if you're having dreams. I know I do have more dreams if I'm feeling anxious about something, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. A lot on your mind. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So even though there's not too much scientific evidence for the possibility of controlling your dreams. There are some things that you can try. So, you know, this is something that it's not proven by scientists, but isn't going to hurt you. So generally I like to say, don't try things that are too expensive or might harm you if they're not backed by science. But this is, you know, kind of supported by science and also it's it's not going to hurt you to, to try. So try keeping the dream journal. Um, the other thing you can do is think about what you want to dream about before bed. So just sit and focus on it. Make it the very last thought before you fall asleep. Some people think this this works. This isn't, again, this part is not supported by science, but it's not going to hurt you to try. Try it out. Um, and then the next thing you want to do is um, when you wake up, don't jump out of bed right away because then you'll forget what you dreamed about. Lay there and think about what you dreamed about. Try to think about it. Even think about how you're feeling when you wake up and see if that helps you remember what you dreamed about and then write about it in your dream journal. That will help you start to kind of have more control over what you're dreaming about. And then, you know, this is a really basic one and this is just good advice anyways. 
you'll have better dreams if you get enough sleep. Yeah. Because if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not going through all your full sleep cycles, then you you don't have enough time to dream. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. That's just good advice in general. Get enough sleep. It's important for your body. It's important for a lot of things. But it's also important if you want to try to control your dreams is to get good enough sleep and regularly, not just like, oh, one night of good sleep. Right. Not just on the weekend. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard, you know, with school and homework and stuff to make sure you get enough sleep. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to have good sleep. Right. Um, Interesting. And don't be, don't be too disappointed if you can't figure out how to control your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Brains are confusing even for scientists. You know, there's so much that scientists are still learning about about our brains and how they work and sleep even is something that is still being studied. So just take good care of yourself and enjoy the dreams that you do remember. Thanks, Jill. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Hopefully it was uh, kind of answered your question. (laughs) Stevie, AKA Annalise, (laughs) who tries to control her dreams and does keep a dream diary. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's the way, that's the way to do it. So are you reading anything good? I am. I wanted to share a book that I recently finished called The Midnight Children by Dan Gemeinhart. Have you ever read any Dan? I have. Yeah, Yeah, I have. Um, Is it scary? Because it sounds kind of scary. It really is. And I have to say that the picture on the cover is kind of deceiving because it's a picture of a boy kind of catching fireflies in the at night. That looks nice. And it looks. It's very deceiving because that is really not what the book's about. Okay. But let me give you a little rundown of what is happening in this book. So, in the dead of night, this is how the story begins. Um, Ravani Foster peeks out of his bedroom window to see seven kids unloading from a van into the empty house across the street. Mm-hmm. His life as an only child is ordinary, and this is super exciting. So, he lives in a town called Slaughterville. Oh. I know. Okay. It's named for the slaughterhouse in the middle of town. So this is the setting of the book. If you're you're squeamish, naturally, this might not be the book for you. Yeah. Because the setting is definitely a part of the story. So, So he sees these kids getting out of the car in the middle of the night. And he, of course, is curious. So he befriends one of the girls, Virginia, who has moved into town with her six siblings And they're living in this house without any adults. Oh. They're just taking care of each other. Okay. So Virginia is everything Rav is not. She's confident. She's brave. She's strong. She has to be because they're living on their own. So she tells him not to tell anybody about this family. And, of course, the local bully finds out and makes Rav do things or else he'll tell so that's a whole nother part of the story. But Rav and Virginia have adventures, um, but he knows that their time together is short because if somebody finds out, they're going to have to jam. They're going to have to leave. Okay. So um, they don't want to be sent to foster care. They want the older siblings to be taking care of the younger siblings. So mm-hmm. it's like precarious. But yeah. throughout the chapters, this is one of those books that we've talked about before that goes back and forth between oh, yeah. narrators. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this other person, it's called the, the hunter, and we see some chapters through the hunter's eyes, who is following this family and oh. wants to capture them and turn them into the authorities. So it adds like some suspense and danger knowing that he's onto them, and we see some of the things that are happening in the story from his perspective. And we don't really 
it, he sounds like a scary bad guy, but you also kind of get the feeling that he's just trying to help these kids. Like, right. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what side you're on there. But, right, right. Um, I really, I really enjoyed this book, even though there is some gross scenes in it, but um, it's really suspenseful. So if you like yeah. a book where you just keep turning, the, it was one of those where I'm like, oh, I'll just read one more chapter. And, oh, I'll just read one more chapter. And then it, it was, it was really suspenseful. So um, you know that this family can't be on the run forever. And right. obviously someone is watching them and the bully knows the secret. So you're just kind of waiting for all of these, um, you know, balls in the air to fall to the ground because you know, it's going to happen. But, right. but we want Rav, the main character to have this connection. Um, so we're definitely rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, I loved the humor of it. It was really descriptive. And even though it was a little gross at times because of the slaughterhouse, um, right. I couldn't put it down, but, um, the book is available in print as an ebook and as e-audio. So hopefully you can get your hands on it. I think that you will enjoy The Midnight Children by Dan Gemeinhart. Oh, that sounds so different than other books that I've read by him. It, you know, it was, you know, the one that I think of by Dan Gemeinhart is the Coyote Sunrise. Oh it's yeah, exactly. I love bus, that book. Which is a great story, yeah. but yes, very, very different from that. It's very different, but the way he writes is it's very much storytelling. Yeah, he, so yeah, he has a great style. Kind of just become part of the story reading. Right. It, so that's true. Fantastic. I love Dan Gemini. Oh, me too. Wow, that sounds great. It was a great book. So what was your favorite thing you learned today? <laughs> I think I need to start keeping a dream journal. Yeah. I oh. think that's the way to go. You're going to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. For sure. I would like to, you know, sometimes you just need to get it down on paper and it'll make you feel better. Yeah. You know, also though, I'd like to mention that this book, that Midnight Children I was just talking about, do you ever read a book before you go to bed and then you think you have like dreams because you just read that oh, book? yes. That was one that I'm like, I can't read that before bed. Oh, like, too scary. Because it was like yeah. stressing me out. Yeah, you know? yep. I, I completely know. There's definitely yeah. books that are morning books for right? me. Right, exactly. I, yeah, I'm, I'm more into sad books than <laughs> scary books, but I will read an occasional a little bit thrilling book. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But that, yeah, that's that's a not before bed. It, it's not a not before bed. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I personally can't stop thinking about how my credit card has magnets, a computer, and <laughs> Wi-Fi. Like all of those things are in the one card on that little piece of plastic. Yeah. It's like a whole. I never really thought about the chip being a whole computer, and that part's really exciting to me. I'm like, I just have a computer, right. lots of them. In- don't lose it. <laughs> Don't lose it. Oh, just think about it. Just like accidentally scan everything. Yeah, no kidding. No, <laughs> but, don't do that, Jill. <laughs> um, I also can't stop thinking about buying more Lego sets now. Though. Oh, I yeah. Make sure, you ha- make sure you have enough money. Though. I will. I will. Yeah. Be, be money wise. I will. Yeah, but I do love Lego sets. I could spend too much money on those. They're amazing. <laughs> Good <All right>. example. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. Thanks for all of your incredible questions and helping us learn and think more about the world around us. For more info or to send us your own question, because we always want to hear what questions you have, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. And be sure to tune in to our next episode where we answer more of your questions. A big thank you to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro music. 
Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.